We hope you are enjoying our expanded podcast schedule. For the month of July, we have something new for our members. Each month, members who successfully answer our bonus content quiz will be entered for a chance to win a pair of AirPods Pro. To participate, you must have access to the bonus sections of the podcasts. Members also receive an ad-free listening experience, an evening newsletter, an invitation to join the DSR Slack community, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of July, you'll receive 50% off the normal membership price. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code fireworks at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code fireworks. Thank you for your support. This is Words Matter with Norm Ornstein. We've got the votes and screw the rest of you. And Dr. Kavita Patel. These might be some of the smaller moments, you know, with all the bombshells. Didn't catch people's eyes. Hello and welcome to Words Matter from the DSR Network. Each week, Norm Ornstein and I will talk about the issues facing our country as we head into another election cycle and what our leaders are saying and doing about them, or for that matter, not doing about them, which is in line, Norm, I think, for today's episode. When we were trying to brainstorm about today's episode, Norm, you, I was struggling because it feels like we could talk about anything for days, and yet uh, I've I, didn't feel like the uh, Walter Nada indictment like rose to that level of let me spend 30 minutes talking about it. But uh, you brought up a series of good points, which actually gave me a you know throwback, so to speak, to um, a couple of articles written by Carol Leonig and colleagues. And I'm just going to pull up and then let you react on the other side, because I do think that they were pretty, I think that uh, Carol, and she's won a Pulitzer for previous coverage around Secret Service kind of cover-ups, et cetera. But I'm pu- I pulled up a March 2023 article because it shows kind of how levels of, of, um, levels of inaction, knowing kind of inaction, which to me constitutes a willingness to let crimes be committed um, inside of the FBI, inside of the DOJ, and, and how they had kind of video evidence proof of Walter Nada hiding files, et cetera, and that they resisted. Carol's article in March of 2023 in the Post um, describes, I think, beautifully, and I'll read the words, months of disputes between the Justice Department prosecutors and FBI agents over how best to recover classified documents from Dr- Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago club and residence led to a tense showdown near the end of f- July of last year with four people corroborating the story. And basically that that even as prosecutors urged the FBI and that two senior FBI officials who would have been in charge resisted this and actually proposed instead to seek Trump's permission to search his property. Anyway, so this was that was just a throwback to an article Carol wrote. But Norm, you bring up kind of a broader point that if we come to today is a real criticism valid uh, of the Biden administration. Tell me your thoughts and reactions to what has happened over the last several years. So, uh, you know, to start, uh, Kavita, in a broader sense, we know that in the Donald Trump presidency, 
an awful lot of government was corrupted. The inspector general process, including getting rid of people and putting in acting people way past what they were supposed to be able to do, uh, and we'll come back to that. Uh, but we also know that uh, Trump's relationship with the FBI and the Secret Service was, uh, to put it mildly, questionable. And that wasn't just about Trump. It was about people in these agencies. And in the FBI, we know going back before the election, uh, we had Rudy Giuliani go on national television uh, not long before the election saying that a bombshell was going to emerge about Hillary Clinton's emails and that he knew directly what it was. In effect, he was admitting that he had had illicit conversations with FBI people in the New York office who were notorious for their antipathy towards Hillary Clinton, who had wanted to prosecute her uh, earlier on based on a bunch of newspaper clippings and a bogus book. Um, and of course, the story was that the laptop uh, uh, from Anthony Weiner had come into their possession, and they saw that on it were some emails from his wife, uh, and they resisted or hid this until soon before the election uh, and went to uh, the uh, FBI director and uh, said, um, if you don't uh, make this a public thing, we're going to do it and you'll be embarrassed. And of course, we know that that story emerged right before the election and it had an impact. Uh, and probably many things in a very close election uh, could be attributed to Trump's victory over Clinton. I'd say that one was the single most significant. Jim Comey violated every ethical standard of the FBI to uh, stick it to Hillary Clinton, and the New York FBI was complicit. Ever since then, the uh, inspector general at the Justice Department has supposedly been investigating the New York FBI, but nothing has come of it. All of that says that there's some rot inside the FBI, that there are people there who pursue political objectives, and they're not the ones that Jim Jordan thinks are doing so. Um, they're people who are protecting Trump. So in this particular case, we know early on uh, a couple of things. We know that the National Archives, which is responsible for presidential records and for classified documents, had uh, said to Donald Trump, many key documents are missing, give them back. Many of them were not given back. <clears throat> they went through a long fandango to get them back. And finally, we know that uh, the uh, investigators in the Justice Department uh, accumulated evidence showing that when the resistance to returning those documents took place, that they had evidence that he was hiding classified documents. And we know that the FBI resisted, as you said, going down and searching Mar-a-Lago without having giving notice to Donald Trump that he'd better deep six those documents or transfer them someplace else. This is an outrage, to tell you the truth. And we don't know from these articles which FBI senior officials were involved. 
But we also know that Chris Ray oversees all of that and that he is still in office as the director of the FBI uh, is bizarre, frankly. And the same is true of that uh, person who in the Secret Service went in as Donald Trump's deputy chief of staff, uh, which is not something you're supposed to do. You're not a partisan uh, in the Secret Service. And we know that there were some lies told by senior uh, uh, Secret Service agents surrounding January 6th. Uh, And we know that the deputy chief of staff to Donald Trump, instead of being removed from office, was put in charge of training new Secret Service agents. So to step back just a little bit, we have inspectors general put in by Trump who have done a terrible job at best, who have distorted their positions. They're still in office. Now, three years into the Biden administration, we know that the FBI director and all of the senior people who are engaged in basically trying to leave Trump alone are still there. We know that nothing has been done, unless it was done very surreptitiously, to reform the Secret Service. And I can understand at one level um, an incoming president faced with corruption, deciding that he was going to step back and be pristine in what he did. But this is too much. And of course, we could le- uh, we can and should levy some of the same criticism at the Justice Department for waiting for way too long before they began uh, seriously to investigate and prosecute Donald Trump. And that included not doing anything from the Mueller report, which basically said, we can't prosecute while he's in office, but boy, there's stuff here you ought to be looking at. And then the statute of limitations ran out. This is going too far in the other direction. We need to clean house in the executive branch in many agencies from rot caused by Donald Trump and that preceded him with white supremacists and others who shouldn't be in these offices of enormous public trust. And I haven't seen anything done yet. I, I haven't seen anything done yet, nor as I was trying to kind of reflect, it's, as you said, it's not just um, DOJ inspector. It's also, uh, I, I will continue to mention, we haven't heard unless I'm missing something, corrective actions in the Secret Service. And and I understand from talking to some friends uh, familiar with Secret Service, some of that has to do with just kind of the relationship of governance between, but but there's no excuse on the inspector general, the IG. And then I, I would imagine there should be no excuse around the FBI. And I'll bring up another Frank Figluzzi, who's um, a friend of the DSR podcast, often on our uh, s- kind of uh, brother-sister podcast, the DSR Network. Frank actually has kind of called out the Biden administration in, in light of much of this and basically even saying that like that reporting from Carol and colleagues about the FBI execs balking at uh, the Mar-a-Lago search warrant is, is in light of knowing that the Bureau had that video of Walter Nada, that that's even more damning and reason for there to be some corrective action. As best as I can tell, though, you know, I don't see any of that. And I, and I, I, I have to ask you a question. How, um, what, where and what role does Congress step in? Let's say that we had a different Congress, because I, I don't see the House moving on any of this unless, unless I'm 
unless there's something, you know, I'm missing. Yeah. What would like in a more sane Congress, what would that look like? Well, uh, uh, look at the insane Congress, which also wants to go after the FBI, but uh, out of a belief that they uh, bought into the Steele dossier, that they bought into the what they call the fake Russian collusion story, when, of course, the collusion was right there in front of our eyes, including Trump in public uh, saying, Russia, if you're listening, we know all of that. They're going after the FBI and uh, and the Justice Department uh, lawyers, and will probably end up impeaching uh, Merrick Garland before uh, we're done uh, in coming months. Uh, you can use your investigative powers. This is uh, yet more projection on their yeah. part, but that in turn will make it more difficult for a Congress to begin to deal with and act on this stuff. Um, of course, you have investigative tools, and you can subpoena people to come in, and you can subpoena documents and uh, emails and texts. Um, one of the things that I hope will happen in the Justice Department is we know that many Secret Service communications surrounding January 6th mysteriously disappeared. Now, the Secret Service, of course, is supposed to be the most adept at recovering lost communications, and they threw up their hands, and maybe somebody will be prosecuted for that, but that's another topic that would be ripe for investigation by Congress and bring it out in public. Now, if I had my druthers, I would like to see a special counsel appointed right. to dig much more deeply into both the FBI and its miscreants and uh, the uh, Secret Service get their communications, internal and otherwise, among and between them, and uh, act on it, clean house in these agencies. Because, you know, the danger that occurs when you don't, and you let them get away with it, is that it's going to get worse. Yeah. If, and, and why has, I would imagine, remember, we still, there are things with the January 6th committee that we still, you know, we're not going to necessarily yeah. have public purview to. So there's a part of me maybe where I was kind of thinking was, no, no, this is all part of like a bigger plan. But you would think that in light of what's unfolded with NADA and Trump, that there would have been some resurfacing or if there were evidence that the, the January 6th committee had that would bring some of um, these corrective actions or recommendations to light that they would do it. And yeah, I think I'm not a big fan of special counsels just because we've seen, as you mentioned, yeah. um, the history has not been all that uh, special, so to speak. And I, so I do, but I, I agree in this situation, given the kind of um, Congress that we have, the composition of what we have, and a hope that this needs to somehow be tried in the court of the public, given the timing with the election, et cetera. I, I just think that a special counsel makes the most sense and the ability to do that. So maybe, maybe shifting, not shifting gears, completely. But, um, and I know that just as a little preview, we want to touch, we have not forgotten about the First Amendment court case, um, scolding the Biden administration for communicating with um, social media channels like Twitter and Facebook uh, around misinformation that in light of, we want to say, we want to have some of that conversation in our members only section. But in light of that, I'm going to ask you a question that's a little bit more broad. I had a colleague when the Secret Service and FBI issues came to light several months ago around Mar-a-Lago, 
had a colleague who used to be ex-DOJ, but in a very different division um, than the prosecutors. And he kind of said something, and it resonates with me. I want to see how you would answer it. So if this is what we know about, and you think about the analogy of the iceberg and everything that's underneath the ocean that we can't see, what else are we missing? And and let's just forward to maybe it's the second term in Biden. Maybe it's another president or an administration. What can what could what could we do like kind of government wide to ensure to your point? Because I think the same exact behavior exists in every agency due to what happened with Trump and and both political appointees and his kind of culling of um, career staff. Uh, what what I worry about, like the whole of government, and like where else are we seeing this? Just your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I think we're seeing it in a lot of places, and uh, maybe what should have happened at the beginning of the Biden administration is that he put together a uh, commission with a fairly short term, just as he did on the Supreme Court, consisting of people with deep experience in agencies to look at where we have these uh, endemic problems, where we have others caused by the manipulation of the process and what we could do about it. Uh, Just to give you one example, and I alluded to this a little bit earlier, uh, Joseph Kafari, who's the inspector general at the Department of Homeland Security, I'm on the board of an organization called the Project on Government Oversight, or POGO, which long ago pointed out the deep miscreants of this man uh, put in by Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that was the reluctance of Biden coming in after uh, Trump had manipulated and misused the inspector's general process to protect himself, to do anything that looked like he was being political in the same way. But if you, for example, uh, and this is what I had recommended uh, during the campaign, that you say that you you pledge that you're going to put together a group of former inspectors general, ethics people, uh, and other others who understand government, mm-hmm. um, and they will uh, come up with a list of five uh, nominees for each of the posts of inspector general, and that you as president will pledge that either you will pick from that list or if you don't, that you will give a full explanation of why you didn't so you can comply with the Constitution. Uh, And then you say, I'm going to get resignations from every inspector general as I come in, and many of them will be reappointed because they'll be obviously on this list. I'm sure Mike Abramowitz at the Justice Department would be one. Um, But then you can clean house and you can do it without making it look like you're just doing the same thing that Trump did in manipulating the process. Uh, but they haven't done it. Now, I think we have a broader problem looming, Kavita. Uh-huh. We know that Trump tried to institute this Schedule F. Yes. Oh, yeah. Which would enable him mm-hmm. to get rid of a large number of career civil servants yep. there for their expertise and replace them with his lickspittles and cronies. Uh, and that other presidential candidates on the Republican side have embraced that idea. Now, I think it is uh, illegal, but I think the Supreme Court might well allow that. And we could really see the government turned upside down. We also know that one of the presidential candidates, and this is another example of what happens when you have 
people who have no experience in government at all. Ramaswamy, uh, I saw uh, either yesterday or today, said, you know, every uh, executive branch employee, uh, why should they serve longer than a president can? Eight years and they're out. So you would lose every element of expertise in every agency, defense, intelligence, energy, wherever we are. And it's idiocy, but we're going to see if a Republican gets elected in 2024, the entire structure of government is likely to be upended in a very, very destructive way. And once that happens, you can't just turn around four years later with chaos ensuing. Imagine if you got rid of all of the people uh, at FEMA, and then we have catastrophic uh, flooding or hurricanes or other natural disasters, and you have people who have no idea how you get supply chains involved, how you work this process. All of that, once they leave, it's not like they're going to come back as soon as you ask them to. You're going to lose that expertise, and it would take years or decades to rebuild it. And this is people who hate government and want to see it destroyed and have the means to do so. And we need protective action from the Biden administration to try and fend off some of that, uh, and, and what's happened already, and to keep it from happening in the future. And I just don't see it. I, I, I didn't forget about the Schedule F, but I forgot that... There really was no, you know, remember that slew of executive orders and things that um, Biden did, like literally that, the night he was inaugurated. Yeah. I remember, I actually remember thinking that night, you know, I didn't see anything on protecting kind of schedule, any schedule, but schedule F. And, and just even if it was, um, as you and I know, executive orders sometimes mean nothing other than to make a statement. But still, that was a, you know, that's the kind of statement that when you're coming in as a new administration to send a signal to all your agencies and departments and staff that, no, we're, we're going to protect, you know, we're going to protect your jobs. This is not, we're not going to let, you know, political interference with yeah. um, federal government employees. And that, uh, by the way, I hate giving airtime. It makes me nauseous to say his name. So I'm not going to say his name. I'm going to take the Voldemort approach. I, but one thing that that misses, it's such a place of privilege to kind of say that because so many of the people that I worked in the government, even 15 years ago, you know, the point is just, as you said, continuity of government, but very rarely do they stay in any of these same positions. They often go on because they are so valuable, understand so much about how government works. They often go, it move between agencies, move within departments, within agencies, and many of the people, they did a study from the GAO. It's been several years now, but I would I would make a bet that the, st the results still stand, that they found that those employees that actually had those mobility opportunities tend to be, they actually tend to be women from like communities of color. Now, the federal government has kind of a priority in hiring with diversity that's been longstanding, but that does not, I mean, you can't just kind of find people that aren't qualified. You actually have to recruit people and then provide a potential ladder for them. So I, I, I find it such like a, one, so stupid to say, and then such like a place of privilege to kind of make these comments like you should just be termed out after eight years because you're basically kind of useless and why should we? It's 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 mind blowing, but yeah, it would be nice to see. And and I suspect towards the end of the Biden administration, we might see some of those things. I have a gut feeling, have no inside knowledge, but I have a gut feeling, Norm, they don't want to signal 
a slew of things that look like they're preparing for them to not be the second term administration. But I think that uh, as we get closer to an election date, there, it wouldn't shock me. And I would hope that there's the thinking about a kind of doing exactly what you talked about, whether it's protection of Schedule F. <clears throat> I, I used to joke that I wasn't in an administration towards the end, but um, every administration at the end of any four-year ch- chunk you think about what you need to do to protect whatever the scenario yeah. is of a new administration coming in, whether that's women in, in my neck of the woods, it's, you know, public health, mental health, um, women's rights, women's reproductive rights, voting rights, that type of thing. And I hope that the same thing happens because you and I both know we can't predict the election outcomes. So, uh, yes, this is, a, this is this is a good reminder and a good topic to to conclude on any final thoughts and we'll wrap up. And then as, as we promise, get into, I'm, I'm going to have to look up the judge's name because I keep just calling him the first amendment judge, which isn't really helpful, but yeah. we'll get into that in our member section. Any, any final thoughts, Norm? <clears throat> yeah. Well, just to uh, play on what you just said, you're right. This happens at the end of an administration. It should have happened at the beginning of the administration. And I think a part of the flaw was a belief that if you bent over doubly and triply backwards to show how ethical you were, that it would fend off criticism when you finally did begin to take some steps. And that was a fallacy to begin with. There is no way you were going to get Republicans. I mean, look at the Justice Department, which, uh, you know, Merrick Garland, Uh, to protect the reputation of the department and to show that it was different than the department of uh, uh, Bill Barr um, basically took an enormous amount of time before beginning prosecutions, not just of Trump, but of the people around him who were guilty of so many offenses. Now, what's the response of Republicans to that? It's not well, at least you did this the right way. It's we're going to impeach you. Uh, So you might as well understand right at the beginning that uh, you clean house, you deal with uh, lawless activity and miscreants right at the start. And if you get criticism, it's going to be no different than what you get if you wait, except you're going to have less of an impact in doing so. Yeah, I couldn't state it better, so um, I won't try to. So yes, I agree. And hopefully, well, obviously, we're keeping track of this. And so hopefully our listeners can kind of make sure that we hold everyone accountable and never to say that we do not try to um, criticize the Biden administration when it has not done something or when it does something we disagree with. So I want to thank our listeners for joining us. And if you can just help us and share this podcast, you can send a little share of the episode or the podcast itself to your friends on any of the social media channels. But if you want even more conversation and you're not already a member for about a latte a month, you can become a member of the DSR network. You can get access to our bonus segment where we're going to talk about the First Amendment in the recent court case. But I also want to give a special shout out to our producer, Riley Fessler, and our executive producer, Chris Cottenoir. And Words Matter is a production of the DSR Network. The next episode of Words Matter will be in your podcast feeds around July 14th. See you then. Bye.